Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. We've got the uh, Jets with the most riveting game today. <laughs> Uh, taking on the Miami Dolphins. Jets, uh... You laugh, Anita. This is going to be an interesting game for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Adam Gase going back down to Miami. Mm-hmm. The organization that decided they would rather tank the upcoming season rather than trying to retool around what Adam Gase left in his wake. Think about that now. That's the guy that the New York Jets and Chris Johnson decided to turn over the keys to the franchise to. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the best decision. I think we can say through seven games, even though it's it's early, that that was... The wrong hire. Yes. I mean, a lot of Jets fans want to give Adam Gase the benefit of the doubt, and they've already set it up for Mike McCagnan to be the fall guy. But, I mean, this is this is a nightmare scenario, Anita. I, I don't think that Chris Johnson or anybody in that Jets organization thought that in hiring Adam Gase, it could look as bad as it's looked through the first eight weeks of the season. Um. This <laughs> wow, there's there's I don't even know where to begin. There's there's so well, that's much, what I'm saying. There's so many intriguing storylines going into this game. That's there, why there I mean, are. So 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 let's go first and foremost. Um, you're absolutely right. You know, in 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 hosting Sports Talk Radio for the past uh, two days, um, you know the, the number of calls, fans calling in, like Adam Gase has to go. Here's the thing. You're this is such a crucial time. For Sam Darnold, you this is an organization. You go out, you draft a quarterback who's going to be your franchise quarterback. You want to your opportunity to win football games and get into the postseason is when you're not having to pay him twenty million dollars a year. If you go out and you hire another head coach, you are setting another year back for Sam Darnold, and your time frame, your window disappears now. So you've already committed to Adam Gase. Here's the thing. I, I love Joe Douglas. Like, I know Joe, and you know Joe D from Baltimore. I know Joe D from Baltimore. Like, I want to believe that Joe Douglas, um, is going, is going to make the right decisions and bring in the right players where maybe Adam Gase's play calling and head coaching abilities won't be as, uh, negatively evident. Does that make sense? sense. Does that make sense? I I just, I'm I'm, I'm putting, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm putting all my eggs in the Joe D basket more so than Adam Gase needs to go right. And here's another thing. If Adam Gase goes, who, who, who's out there that you'd want to bring in? Well, the guy that I wanted him to bring in in the first place, which is Mike McCarthy. And Mike McCarthy said he wanted the job because the young quarterback that you drafted two years ago showed promise at the end of his rookie season, he had the highest QBR of any quarterback in the month of December in 2018. So, I mean, that that would be the guy that I wanted the Jets to go after. He's still out there. He hadn't taken a job. I think he, he wants the right opportunity. I know people will be knocking down his door this offseason because there will be several several coaching vacancies. But in looking at this situation, I hear you with Joe Douglas. I like Joe Douglas. I know his football philosophy is very similar to mine. The only problem with that is, Anita, if you're putting all your baskets into Joe Douglas, 
you're, you're also investing in Adam Gase because Adam Gase is the one that's responsible for Joe Douglas getting a general manager job in the first place. Like Adam Gase was the one that won the tug of war with Mike McCagnin once he got the head coaching job. And so, in effect, he's the one that's responsible for the roster as well as coaching up the X's and O's. And I haven't seen anything in his tenure as a head coach, the three years in Miami, the seven games here with the Jets, that would lead me to believe that he's capable of doing either. Okay, that's fair. Um, but, but, and, and here's the thing, and that's, I get that's fair. It's, it's, no, it's, a, it's, it's, fa- it's fair to say, but here's take. the thing, and I understand what you're talking about in terms of not wanting to push the reset button again, again on your young quarterback learning another system. I, I get all of those things, but I don't want to double down on a mistake, Anita. If you recognize that you made a mistake as an organization, the best thing that you can do is be honest with yourself, evaluate, and then move forward. The, the thing that I go back to, Anita, is just the entire process of it all. I mean, the fact that you decided that you wanted Mike McCagnin to help you with the coaching search, you, you land on a candidate, you hire Adam Gase, you let the general manager spend over $100 million in free agency and run your draft where you have the third overall pick, and then you decide to fire him and hire another GM? Like, it just it doesn't make any sense. So if your process was flawed, it's no wonder that we're getting we're getting the team and the product that we're seeing on the field this season. It's a bad football team. It's a bad football team. And this week, a lot of drama that took place um, as we get uh, as, as we got closer to the trade deadline. Uh, I'm going to play this clip. I can't I can't listen to this clip enough. And I'm really curious. It's, it's about a minute. So. Uh, Hang tight, uh, but listen in. And more importantly, what Jamal Adams says towards the end of the clip is probably what stands out to me. Well, you know, man, you know, I woke up Monday morning and, um, you know, I kind of found out through uh, a couple of reliable people that I have a lot of trust in that I was being, you know, shopped around. Um, You know, at the end of the day, I know he has a job to do and I respect it. Um, But, you know, I, I hold myself in a high regard. Um, I've done everything, you know, they've asked me to do since I've been here for, for the three years. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't take that lightly. I, I, I really didn't. Um, but, you know, when, when, I, when I heard that I got the call, that my agent called me and he told me what was going on, um, you know, I, it definitely hurt me. You know what I mean? Um, I hold myself at a high level. You know, the Rams don't, they don't, they don't take calls on Aaron Donald. The Patriots don't take calls on Tom Brady. You know what I mean? That's where I hold myself in that regard. So regardless of I understand that you have a job to do, that's that's the way I took it. So so many things here, Chris. All right. Uh, number one, for Jamal Adams to compare himself to Aaron Donald or or Tom Brady. <laughs> I, like, and, and listen, I get, like, God bless him that he does hold himself in that regard. Yeah. I, I, I'm not criticizing him for that. But to, 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 to throw that out there in the universe um, is just is unbelievable to me. Here's another thing. Why are your feelings hurt? I'd be more upset and more hurt if nobody was calling for my services. Like, people want you, dude. Like, people are calling the Jets because they want you. Now, Ian Rappaport reported this morning. Anthony told me this when I walked in. Ian, Ian Rappaport's reporting that the, that the Jets were asking for Zach Martin was it by the way Anthony was it Zach Martin and a draft pick or was it just straight up Zach Martin did did Ian Rappaport get into details and specifically exactly what they were asking for do you know 
Okay. Apparently, Anthony is saying, because I don't know if that went out on the air or not, Anthony, uh, that the first ask was for Zach Martin. Okay. So, um, but first of all, everybody is like, it's, it's an organization's and a general manager's job to listen to offers. Doesn't mean, I mean, you could sit there and you could, you could counter. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do it. Yeah. But you can have that conversation first and foremost. The Jets are entitled to do that. They're supposed to do that as an organization. And number two for Jamal Adams, like, be more proud that there are other teams out there that want your services. And then I'll go one step further heading mm. into this game. And I had, we had Damian Woody on the show yesterday. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Like, Jamal Adams doesn't want to talk to his general manager or his head coach. He's willing to talk to the owner, Chris Johnson. Apparently they had a conversation. But how did that role of practice this week? You're not talking to your head coach? Who's on the field while you're practicing? And and how uncomfortable, the elephant in the room, how uncomfortable is that for all the rest of the players that are out there at practice that are like, dude, you're going to talk to Coach? Coach, you're going to talk to Jamal? Like, what are we, five years old? Yeah, it's a dangerous position to be in. I mean, it, it, it shows that there's a lack of institutional control by Adam Gase, which is a big problem. It's something that became an issue down in Miami. He alienated some of the star players down there and eventually shipped those guys out. Remember Jay Ajayi, Jarvis Landry, two of the more talented guys they had on the offensive ball for the Dolphins. And those guys were playing on other teams before Gase's tenure in Miami was up. So that's the part of this that I'm concerned with. Now, as far as how Jamal handled things, First of all, you got to keep your emotions off the internet. Stop going to social media. Stop liking tweets that are critical of your head coach and or quarterback. You know, stop taking, stop worrying about whether or not the Jets are in your Twitter bio. Like that stuff doesn't matter. That stuff's not important. It just creates more outside noise. But the fact is, when you have a situation where your head coach or your general manager wants to talk to you, you have to sit down and talk to him. Even if you don't like him, even if you don't trust him, because guess what? They're your bosses. They're your superiors in the hierarchy over there at Florham Park. So I, I get where Jamal Adams is coming from and the fact that his name is being thrown around in trade rumors. That sucks because there's so much mental fatigue that comes along with hearing your name associated with other teams. As a player, you just want to know where you're going to be at so you can lock in and do your job. So that takes an effect on the individual player, but Jamal Adams is also a leader in that locker room. So if it affects him, no doubt it's affecting the guys on the defensive side of the ball, and it's probably affecting the team as a whole. So this team has been distracted for the better part of the last two weeks, Anita, with being embarrassed on Monday Night Football, going down to Jacksonville last Sunday and getting smacked in the mouth. Like And now it's a situation where you traded Leonard Williams. Jamal Adams doesn't want to talk to the coach, the general manager. Kelechi Osemele, he's filing a grievance with the NFLPA. Uh, you, you released him. Like, it's just so much going on. And the focus is not on this team trying to improve with their execution on game days. And that's what they have to get back to. Anita, I, I, I don't know if you actually looked at this. But I had uh, I had some friends of mine dig into some stats, and I was just looking at where the Jets rank offensively through the first half of the season. So offensively, they're 31st in points per game. Mm-hmm. They're 32nd in points per drive. 32nd in yards per game. 32nd in yards per play. 31st in rushing. 32nd in passing. 32nd on third down. Here's where it gets a little bit better. They're 17th in the red zone. 32nd in sack percentage, in 28th in turnovers per game. How can you be a functional offense when you rank dead last in every major statistical category? Here's here's where it really gets interesting, Chris, is that they're actually not trying to tank. 
they're going up against a team today who's trying to tank to either get arguably one of the best pass rushers ever coming out of college football, or... Yeah, that's a bad dude. That Chase Young guy, yeah. he's just different. <laughs> or or a quarterback, or both, because they have stockpiled... There, there's a chance the Miami Dolphins can have the number one and number two pick this year in, in the draft. So, they are tanking on... Per- the Jets aren't trying to tank, and they're just as bad, Chris. It's just, it's ugly. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Jamal Adams, he'll talk to the owner this week, but uh, he still was not in an emotional state to talk to um, his which is Which or... is ridiculous, Anita, because if you're Chris Johnson <laughs> and Adam Gase and Joe Douglas are your guys that are running football ops, then why would you sit down with Jamal Adams and allow Jamal not to talk to those guys? Like, as the owner, you have to empower the people that you hire to do the job. That's simple. But that's what I go back to, a lack of institutional control over there. And it's no wonder that we're seeing a football team that's underperforming in terms of the expectations that the head coach set out before the season even started. Nobody put a gun to Adam Gase's head and told him to say that this team will control their playoff fate when we get to December. Here's uh, Anthony uh, printed this up for me in the break uh, from Ian Rappaport. Sources said that when the Dallas Cowboys first called about Adams earlier in the week, the Jets asked about the availability of Pro Bowl guard Zach Martin. Uh, the Cowboys quickly shot that down. Then they inquired about left tackle uh, Tyron Smith, which was also a no. While the team has plenty of holes, Douglas requested for two of the Cowboys' top offensive linemen. As we know, Sam Darnold needs some help on the offensive line. Uh, both locked up in lucrative long-term deals. Um, it goes to show you his priority, yada, yada, yada. Dallas's best offer was a first-round pick and reserve cornerback Anthony Brown. So, and apparently also the Baltimore Ravens were also interested in Jamal Adams, which is very surprising to me because, and and we're going to get into this game a little bit later on the show, tonight, first time since the season started that all five top corners in DBs, not not corners, but all five DBs are going to be playing and starting for the Ravens. They get Jimmy Smith. Without Tony Jefferson, though. Tony Jefferson's on IR. They get Jimmy Smith back. So it's Jimmy Smith, Peters, Thomas, Humphrey, and Carr. So the Ravens, as you know this, they've got over $50 million locked up in, in, in that secondary. Yeah, but to your point, why they were interested in Jamal Adams is because you need a safety back there with Earl Thomas. Right. Because Tony Jefferson is on IR. Um, this portion of the show, by the way, uh, brought to you by Key Food. Urban Meadow is proud to be the official salty snack of New York game day. From the meadows to your urban lifestyle, Urban Meadow. Uh, let's go to our phone lines. 800-919-3776. We go to Ira, who's calling in from Miami. He's at the game. Ira, welcome in. Hey, Anita, Chris, good morning. How are you? Good morning, good morning. Well, I, tell, I, I tell you, look at everything that happened this week. Um, it's just unbelievable. I'm not sure what these players' their mindset is. And the Dolphins, you know Fitzpatrick is going to want to go out there, give a rah-rah speech in the locker room. I know the Dolphins are trying to lose every game. But I'll tell you, man, and Chris, you played the game. Anita, I know you were an athlete. If these guys aren't focused today, the Dolphins are very capable of beating them. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins win this game. To me, I just want to see what Donald hopefully takes a step forward today and he doesn't continue to go back or struggles. I would expect a heavy dose of Bell getting the ball. But i got to touch on the Adams thing with you guys real quick. Uh, Chris is 100% right. You know what? I like the guy. He's a good player. 
But you got to man up. You're a leader and you're a captain. It's a bad message you're sending the team when you go above the head of the GM and the head coach and go directly to the owner. And, you know, that's the way it went down. Hopefully they could get this thing rectified. But I, I don't expect Adam to be a member of the Jets next year. But, Ira, what have you seen from Adam Gase or from Jamal Adams as this has gone on the last couple of weeks that would lead you to believe that they're going to fix this rift? Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. And, and, and you know what? It, it goes back to what happened in Miami. You know, Gase had trouble with, with Jay Jai, with Jarvis Landry. I think he had a corner that he traded. So it's just the, the whole thing. Like I said, whatever could go wrong did go wrong. And I'm not sure the direction right now, but we got about eight or nine weeks now to see where this is headed. And I, I just hope they could straighten it out. But I, I got major, major concerns. Ira, I feel for you, brother. I feel for all the Jets fans that are out there because you don't know the direction that this team is going in. And Ira's absolutely right about one thing. This Dolphins team is dangerous. I mean, I wish we could go back to Monday night's game and we could tell Brian Flores not to call that zero blitz on third and 20 right before the first half where Deontay Johnson catches that uh, over route and takes it to the house. Like, if they don't get that play before halftime, I mean, all the momentum is on the Dolphins' side. I, if the Dolphins start like that, if the Jets allow that to happen, I think that this team, based on where they're at right now, knowing that it's a fractured locker room, knowing that the message from the coach is falling on deaf ears of the players, I think that this is a Jets team that could throw in the towel, Anita. I really do. This is a huge game for their season. Also a huge game for Adam Gase. Because if you lose this one, oh. if you lose this one, I mean... <laughs> At that point, everybody has to face the fact that, you know what, maybe we might have hired the wrong guy. Let's go to Eddie in Westchester. Eddie, welcome in. Hey, Anita, Chris, what's happening? Listen, I agree with Chris. First of all, I think the players want Gates out of there. I don't think he, he's a good game planner. Same thing with Shermer. When you have a backs like Barkley and Bell and all you do is run them up the middle, you should be pitching the ball out wide. You should be using them in the screen game and then running off tackle. The last thing you should be doing is running these backs up the middle. And they have good tight ends. They should be able to own, and young quarterbacks, be able to own the first 10 yards of the field. They, Their coaches cannot game plan for anything. And I won't be surprised if the Jets team, as the players, just fold up today in the next two weeks because they want Gase out of here. Well, here's the thing. The Jets' offense is going against the worst scoring defense in the National Football League. The Dolphins' defense is allowing 34 points a game. I mean, if they can't move the ball against this group, then I don't know what to tell you, Anita. Now, I know that Adam Gates wants to point to the players and say that they need to go out there and they need to execute better, and that's absolutely true. Like all of the penalties, the holding, pre-snap stuff, jumping off sides, those things are all avoidable. To me, those are all focus issues. So the guys that are actually putting on jerseys have to bear some responsibility in what's happened through the first seven games. But you also got to look at the coach and the scheme that he's trying to employ. I don't know what game plan is sound when you have one of the best running backs in the National Football League and you only rush him nine times against Jacksonville. How does that make sense? Le'Veon Bell is the best player that they have on the offensive side of the ball. How are you only handing the ball off to him nine times? Well, and, and listening to a number of analysts this week, because I, I listened to, of course, the show that you're on. Um, during the week and a number of other shows. And one thing that I did learn this week is, you know, the only offense that Adam Gase knows is the one that he learned from Peyton Manning. 
That's it. It kind of reminds me. Remember, we'd sit here and we would talk about Ben McAdoo. All uh-huh. the, the only offense Ben McAdoo knew was the three wide receiver set. Yeah. That's it. And and when you're going up against defenses where you can't, you don't have the wherewithal and the knowledge and the experience as a, as a head coach slash offensive coordinator to mix things up and change things around. That's what makes the Patriots so great, right? Um, is you, you're 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 going to lose. And and so I, I think a lot of this is teams are game planning for Le'Veon Bell. And so the play calls that are coming in, they're not putting Le'Veon Bell in different situations to make plays. I think that's what the issue is here, because the only game plan that Adam Gase knows is the one that he learned from Peyton Manning. And he doesn't know any others to mix it up to create opportunities for Le'Veon Bell. Well, I think this is true in in life as well as football. But when you don't have a plan that can change, that's a bad, that's a bad plan. And so I, I look at this situation now with Adam Gase. He's got to have more variety in his offense. And this, it's clear that the, the, the system that he's trying to employ, it's not working for the players that you have. So you have to look at your talent and you've got to figure out, okay, how can I put these guys in situations where they do what they do best more often, and I keep them away from the things that they're not so good at. To me, that's the simple part of it. I mean, you have to think about the Jesses and Joes before the X's and O's. I mean, because those guys are going to go out there and they got to play. You got to give them some type of game plan that gives them a path to victory. And too often this season, we've seen the Jets not only not have a path to victory, but they've been non-competitive. I mean, and I would argue that there's only been two games that this Jets team has really been competitive. That would be the regular season opener at home against Buffalo and then the game that they won against the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. In every other game, you knew the outcome of the game after the first half. It wasn't even in doubt. It wasn't a question. And so for me, I got I to gotta see a team that's more competitive. Listen, the Bengals don't have a win. The Dolphins don't have a win. And those teams, week in, week out, are more competitive than the New York Jets. That's inexcusable for me. It's unbelievable. You can't blame it on just talent alone. No, it, you're absolutely right. It, and it's, it's, it's really unbelievable. Uh, so, again, Chris, so much going in to this game. Even though it's not going to be riveting, you've got two of the worst teams in the NFL uh, going at it today at 1 o'clock, and the Jets, again, favored by three, but so much is riding for this organization, this franchise, and Adam Gase today. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. As we know, the uh, Giants made a trade this week. They got Leonard Williams. His response to being traded? I definitely didn't think it would be to the Giants. Um, my my agent actually called me like the day before it happened and told me that the Giants were expressing interest, and uh, that was my first time hearing about it um, before coming over here. And uh, you know, it, like I said, it's been if I had to get traded, this has been one of the easiest transitions because, like I said, I don't have to move, I don't have to hire movers to like move out my whole house and hire dog sitters and all that extra stuff. I just love that he mentioned dog sitters. So you I, know, I know now, that's why you wanted him to play the clip. So you know now, I'm a usually a Williams fan, considering like that's the first thing he thought about. Are you going to get a Leonard Williams Giants jersey? I don't know. No. Oh, no. No. Okay. No. I, you know, I, my 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 closet is getting full. I've got the Patrick Mahomes. I've got the Lamar Jackson. I now have the Gardner Minshew. Mm-hmm. Um, so not sure if I have space for Leo. Gotcha. But, but hey, by the way, um, I believe that. Um, our producers called up the uh, the the clip of me talking about the Oakland Raiders. I'm a little nervous here mm-hmm. because because they're smiling back there. Go ahead, play it, guys. 
I don't think the Chiefs are going to be in a serious danger from anybody competing to win the AFC West for them. Now, in terms of overall seeding in the AFC once we get to the playoff picture, you're wondering whether or not this costs you a buy. Because, I mean, the Houston Texans, they've looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. The Baltimore Ravens, they're another team that's 4-2, and two, so they'll be in the mix. Uh, I think it'll be a little bit tougher for them to get to buy in the first, in the first round if, if you're going to be missing Pat Mahomes until after the bye week. But I still look at this Kansas City Chiefs team as a playoff team. So, very interesting you say that. I actually, for the Raiders to win the AFC South, I'm sorry, the Raiders to win the AFC West, plus 500 right now, Chris. You know what? I'm throwing some coin on that. You know why Patrick Mahomes is going to be out? No, no, don't mean to throw shit. throwing coin on it because it's good value. Oh, it's great value. It's good value. Plus 500? Yes, but you don't think it's going to actually happen. You don't, hey, listen, I, I actually, I think Oakland beats the Packers today. Okay. I mean, I'm, <clears throat> okay, time out, time out. Bottle said, of wine, I'm just, I can't wait, wait for all, it. Bottle first, of wine. Wait, first of all, I didn't hear anything about wine. No, we talked first about all, that off air. No, we, we said not. as soon as we went to break first after that all, segment, we said, first put a bottle all, of wine on it. First of all, I said it's good value. No, for, first, I said it's first good of value. all, you just said that you didn't say the Raiders were going to win the AFC West. You said that they were going to make the playoffs. Then they pulled up the tape. Well, you said that but they will challenge said, the Chiefs for the AFC West. Because I said it's good value at plus 500. And right now, I'll tell you what's really good value, Chris. And you know what? Fine. I'll, 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 I'll Own try. it, Anita. Own it. You weren't saying the Raiders just make the playoffs. You were saying that the Raiders could challenge for the AFC because West title. Because value, Chris, at plus 500. Yes, I put some money on it. Right now, it's plus 410 that they make it to the postseason. But you know what? I, I will ante up. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll do okay. it. I'll All do right. it. I'll do it. Right. Heck, I'd do it. Bottle of wine. What's there we that? go. What's that to me? I've okay. got, I got like, I got a. Well, I've already given you like five, six yeah, bottles of wine in have. the last year, so. You're so cute. Yeah. Uh, this portion of game day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty brought to you by Shinerbach, an American style, uh, dark lager, independently brewed in Shiner, Texas since 1909. Uh, really quick thoughts on the trade with the Giants getting Leo Williams. Well, I think it's an opportunity for the Giants to see Leo in their defensive system. Leonard Williams is the prototype five technique in an odd man front. So he's going to be the five. You'll have Dexter Lawrence playing the nose tackle and B.J. Hill playing the three technique. So you'll see that group together. Then they can make the decision this offseason about whether or not they want to sign him to a long-term extension. So I look at this as a smart move. It's it's a no-risk move for the Giants. I mean, they traded... Uh, um, you know, a draft, third round draft pick for him, and you'll see what happens if you don't like him and he walks out the door. You're probably going to get a compensatory pick in the mid middle rounds anyway. So, I mean, it was it's a flyer. We get to see him for the second half of this season, and then we'll have first right of refusal before free agency starts in the 2020 league year. So, I think it was a great move by Dave Gettleman. And you know Dave Gettleman believes in having big people on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Bill Parcells used to say this all the time. There are only so many big people in the world. you got to have your share of them. And so Dave Gettleman has adopted that philosophy. We'll see what happens. But I think that this helps the Giants in terms of continuing to develop that defensive side of the ball. Because that's the area, to me, that's going to need the most improvement as we move to the 2020 offseason. So, uh, again, the Giants getting seven, seven and a half in some places. Over-under is at 48. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys coming off of a bye. Um, pretty healthy. Great matchup for Dak Prescott. Like, there are some people out there who do like the Giants, uh, taking the Giants in the seven and a half, thinking that this game is going to be close. I, I, I personally don't see it, although 
the positive is this is the first time all season long, Chris, that you've got Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram out there on the field at the same time for Daniel Jones. So I'm really intrigued to see what he is going to be able to do offensively. I just don't think, even with the addition of Leo Williams, I just don't know what they're going to be able to do defensively to counter what the Cowboys are going to bring to the table on Monday night. Well, yeah, you know the Cowboys are going to run the football. And I'm not worried about the interior runs as much as I am the runs on the perimeter. One of the plays that the Cowboys like to run is that um, that uh, center guard pull on that uh, that, that outside zone play. So I, I just I, I wonder how the outside linebackers and – the safeties for the Giants do in terms of being able to set the edge and force the ball back inside to the, d- the interior of the defense. I just don't know that they got the guys that are going to be able to capably, uh, c- not capably, consistently do that against the Dallas Cowboys offensive line because that's one of the better offensive lines. Even though those guys are on the downside, that's one of the better offensive lines in football. I, I do want to play this clip from Leo. Leo Williams is all responding to the questions about him uh, in, in the lack of sacks. Sometimes it's just uh, little things that people don't see. You know, what I mean, like when we played the Tom Brady and them, you know, like he gets the ball out really fast, as everyone knows. And then there was one time I got to him and he got rid of the ball and it was intentional grounding, so that could have been a sack. And then the same thing with the Jaguars last week. I got a sack and it got taken away because of defensive holding. So it's just like, you know, I don't want to make excuses or call out, you know, penalties or anything. Thing like that, but it's just like you know, I am getting the pressure. I am getting there, and it's just a matter of uh, when it clicks, it's going to click. You know. But Chris, here's the thing: Leo Williams more of a run stopper on the defensive line than a sack getter on the defensive line. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's more of a run defender. He's never going to have huge sack numbers. Now, he's capable of providing some push on the pocket, which is valuable because if your edge guys are being able to force the quarterback to step up, then obviously you want that that interior pass rush to be able to collapse the pocket. But, I mean, we'll see. In order to rush the quarterback, though, you got to earn that right. That means you have to stop the run on first and second down. And that's the big challenge for this Giants defense going into this game against the Cowboys. Can they keep the Giants – can they keep the Cowboys – from being on schedule because the Dallas Cowboys, they want to be second and six or better, third and three or better. Can you throw them some negative plays in the first couple of downs in order to create those favorable downs and distances where you can get after the quarterback? This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. It's time for Vita Anita. These are Anita's Locks of the Week. And we're not talking about her long blonde hair. No, we absolutely are not. Uh, by the way, I went 0 and 3 last week. What the? You were 3 and 0 the week before. I was 3 and 0 the week before. So the sports gods give it and they take it away. What's the quote? Oh, the gambling gods, fickle bunch. No doubt about it. Fickle bunch. No doubt about Those it. Those gambling gods. But it's all about the numbers, though. It's not about the teams. That's the thing that you got to remember, right, Anita? I want to spend a lot of time talking about this Baltimore Ravens uh, New England Patriots game tonight because I can't wait. What color am I wearing right now? You are wearing purple. What color are you wearing right now? I'm wearing purple. Mm. I think yours was more intentional than mine. I woke up this morning and reached for the first clean shirt I could find. All right, I'm going to. I'm going to rattle off a number of reasons why you know what keep keep your stinking badges 
Keep your stinking points. I'm going Ravens money line, baby, and you can get on it at plus 145 right now. I actually jumped on it at plus 158 wow. okay. earlier in the week. Here you go. Harbaugh, nine and two. You played for the dude. You know yep. better than I. Dude, don't, homie, don't play. Coming off a bye. Nine and two, straight up, coming off a bye. Mm-hmm. Ravens, 10 and 0, prime time at home at MT Bank Stadium, baby. Mm-hmm. That place is go. going to be rocking. I lived there for four years. Um, MT Bank Stadium does not get enough credit in regard to home field. Tough place to play. Home field advantage. The Baltimore Ravens, the only team in the NFL that are scoring on over half of their offensive possessions. They are scoring on 55% of their offensive possessions. The Ravens are averaging 120 more rushing yards per game. Lamar Jackson, better against man than he is zone. So go ahead, New England, play that zero coverage. Try to contain. Have your DBs turn your back to Lamar Jackson. Good luck with that. Mm Mm-hmm. On top of that, Tom Brady, 76% completion percentage when not touched. And we know what happens when people touch Tommy Boy. He gets his panties in a bunch. 33% completion percentage when he is touched. You know this, the Ravens, number one in blitz rate. They are blitzing almost 50% of the time. And granted, you could sit back and say, well, Juanita, who's their defensive lineman? Here's the thing. Jimmy Smith comes back. Marcus Peters, Earl Thomas, Humphrey has been a stud. Carr, they're going to, you know this, Chris, they're going to blitz with their DBs. Yeah. If there's a prop bet out there that, uh, over, over sacks, because their DBs are going to get at least two sacks on Tom Brady tonight. You could take that to the bank. And last but not least, a lot of people aren't talking about this and they should. Give me Justin Tucker seven days a week and twice on Sunday night over Nick Folk. And us here in New York, we know what time it is with Nick Folk. God forbid this game comes down to three points. I love the Ravens tonight. Money line plus 145. I like the Ravens. The one thing I will say about your breakdown right there, the Ravens do have to find creative ways to try to pressure Tom Brady, but you can't rush more than four. Like, you just can't, because if you blitz Tom Brady, he's seen too much football. He has so many answers to the different looks, to different fronts, to different pressures that you could throw at him. So Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator down there in Baltimore, I know him well. He understands that he's going to have to be creative. Now, I'm not saying that the four guys that you rush have to always be defensive linemen. They can be linebackers. They can even be guys out of the secondary. But they're going to have to utilize what we like to call simulated pressures and trying to bring three off of one side, guys coming from different levels of the defense, and then dropping some of those defensive linemen back out there in coverage. So I think it's going to be an interesting chess match between Wink Martindale, Martindale, their defensive coordinator, and Tom Brady, and watching how all of that plays out pre-snap at the line of scrimmage. That's going to be fun to watch. All right. uh, My pick number two is the Browns uh, minus four at Denver. Brandon Allen is getting the start. As I said earlier, 226 pass attempts in preseason. He has not thrown a pass in the regular season. Six touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Who's he throwing to? Emmanuel Sanders no longer there. We saw him put on a show on Thursday night. Their offensive line ranks 14th in pass blocking efficiency, so he's not going to get a lot of protection. Cleveland Browns, their defensive line, they've got so much talent on that defensive line. Um, Denver's defense, this is interesting. Uh, they are not great against 12 personnel. One running back, two tight ends. Hopefully Freddie Kitchens, that's what he tees up for them because the Cleveland Browns are top five in the NFL in success rate when they play 12 personnel and they need to play at more than 19%. That's what they've been averaging. Nick Chubb, I think he has a field day four of his last five games. He's rushed for over 130 yards. So you rush the ball, you eat up time of possession. Here's the thing. I think the Cleveland Browns only need to put up like 17, 20 points and they'll, and they'll cover. 
So I lo- this is my favorite play today is the Browns, minus four. Well, the Browns have got to hang on to the football. They can't turn it over. Nick Trubb can't drop it, and Baker Mayfield can't throw it to the other team. As long as they do that, they'll give themselves a chance. I mean, they came out of House of Fire up there in, in Foxborough, and the turnovers is what ultimately did them in. So if they can avoid doing that, then I feel like they can, can – they can still have a chance for this season to be a good season. But, I mean, I, that Denver Broncos team, that's a sneaky bunch. They pushed the Colts to the limit last week, and it came down to an adivitary field goal in order for the Colts to be able to win that game. I mean, of their six losses, only two of them were not one-possession games. So, I mean, you look at this team, they played a lot of close ball games and found themselves on the losing side of it. So it would not surprise me if the Denver Broncos ended up on the winning side of this thing. But I picked the Cleveland Browns as one of my picks this week just because, Anita, if they lose this game, the Browns' season is over. This is a must-win game. I know that sounds cliche, but this is a must-win game in my high for the Cleveland Browns. And I think they'll do it. And last but not least, my last play is a two-team teaser. I'm going with the Bills. I'm uh, teasing them down to minus four against Washington. Why? Uh, two words for you. Dwayne Haskins. I mean, he's just a complete train wreck. Um, and I feel bad for the kid. That's a little unfair. That's a little well, unfair. Let me finish my sentence. I feel bad for the kid because he's been put in a horrible situation. So it's not all his fault. I think he's got the talent. I think he's got the ability. I'll compare it to what the Baltimore Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson. Complete polar opposite than what the Washington Redskins have been able to do with Dwayne Haskins. I'm not saying it's all his fault, but it is. You a called tra- him a train wreck. The Washington Redskins are a train wreck. Yes. You put the and kid, you put and the he kid a, in. And he is a part of that. Well, you put, you said Dwayne Haskins was a train wreck. Did he put the kid in a situation where he doesn't get any first team reps in the two games that he actually played in, that being the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings game, which was on a short week. You don't give the kid any game rep. You don't give him any practice reps with the first team. And then you expect to put him out there and think he's going to have success. It doesn't work like that in the NFL. It's bad. It's and, poor planning. And weather, it's a terrible organization. Weather, weather conditions uh, in Buffalo are not great. So all that combined, uh, 10, is a little much for me, so I'm teasing the Bills down to minus four. And here's another play for you: the Oakland Raiders. Uh, they are they are minus two, so um, I'm teasing them. I'm teasing them up to plus four. So I'm taking Oakland plus four and the Bills minus four. So a two team tease. I mentioned this earlier on the show. The Raiders finally back at home. Uh, they have not. They f- five of their last six weeks they've been on the road, and not just like on the road, but like cross country, cross pond. They've traveled over twenty one thousand miles. So they're finally at the black hole. That place is going to be rocking. Um, Matthew Stafford has been sick this week, and he barely can speak. Apparently, um, he's having voice issues. How's he going to be able to re- re- like call play uh, at the black hole with as crazy and as loud as it's going to be there? I think that's going to be tough for Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions. I think Josh Jacobs has a field day against this uh, Lions uh, defense against the Rush, and uh, and they just put Carson on IR, so very slim pickings in that backfield. Ty Johnson is going to get the start in the backfield, and Darius Slay is dealing with a hamstring issue, so I like the Raiders. So two team tees. You've got Oakland uh, plus four, and you've got the Bills minus four. Those are my three plays, locks of the week. I like it, Anita. For my uh, my picks this week, I am going with, of course, the Cleveland Browns are laying the three and a half with them on the road in mile high going up against the Broncos. I'm also taking the Green Bay Packers 
They're on the road playing against the Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to lay the three and a half. There's no home field advantage for the Chargers in that stadium. There'll be a lot of cheeseheads in the crowd. And so I think that Aaron Rodgers, they look at this as a get-right game for that offense, being able to blend Matt LaFleur and that run-heavy attack with what Aaron Rodgers does well. Devontae Adams healthy. you got to love that. I mean, he's jumping over teammates in warm-ups. I know he's a game-time decision, but he's likely pro- likely going to be a participant in this game. So I like the Green Bay Packers. I'll lay that three and a half. And then for my pick in the contest with R.J. Bell, my best bet of the week, I am going with the Indianapolis Colts on the road in Pittsburgh. No T.Y. Hilton, but that's not going to be any problem. After what happened last week, the scare that they got from the Denver Broncos, Frank Reich will have this team ready to play. And if anything, the T.Y. Hilton injury gives a new sense of urgency to everybody else in that locker room. Everybody knows they've got to do just a little bit more. I like them going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Keep in mind, Pittsburgh Steelers short week because they played on Monday night. I like the Colts. I like them too. Uh, every game that the Colts have played in um, has been decided by one score. So actually, the Colts is another team that I think I'm, I'm going to use in a two-team teaser today. I like teasing. I like teasing them up to like plus six, plus seven. It's amazing what T.Y. Hilton did to the line though, on Friday. It was the Colts laying a point. Now it's the Steelers laying a point. Yep. 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 This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Mama Mimi joins us uh, from Miami. As we know, the Jets getting ready to take on the Miami Dolphins. One o'clock is kickoff. The Jets favored by three. Hey, Mama Mimi, how you doing this morning? I'm hanging in there. Okay. How are your Dolphins doing? Are they hanging in there? Oh, listen, it's it's pitiful. It's pitiful. We watch TV. We watch the Dolphins with a bag over our head. It's sad. You? Wait a minute. So you're home and you're watching, you're home watching the Dolphins on TV with a bag over your head. Yes, with two holes cut for the eyes. Can you, would you, yes, do you mind? Very sad. Do you mind? Mom, are, I don't have any, are you on any social media? I don't even know this. Are you on social media with Twitter or Instagram or anything? No, I don't do all that, no. Oh, I was going to say, because if yeah. you were, I, we'd, we'd want photos, right, Chris? Yeah, I, I want the receipts. I want the receipts from Mama Mimi sitting <laughs> no. at home watching the Dolphins game <laughs> with a bag he, on her head. The uh, the quarterback for the Jets is he is he playing today? Is he over the mono? No, he's over the mono. He'll <laughs> is he over he'll, he'll the be playing mono? today. But I, it sounds like the Jets today. players, Mama Mimi, are over Adam Gase. Yep. I think he was horrible. Um, Mom, do you remember when I remember when I came home from college after my freshman year with mono and strep throat and, and all that horrible stuff? Yes, yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, pretty, you couldn't even walk. You I, were so weak. I was, you couldn't even walk. What were you doing your freshman you know, year? It really, it really <laughs> stuff <laughs> I can't say <laughs> on air. <laughs> Anita was getting it in freshman year. Stuff I can't say on air. And you know, it really, Anita, it really took about two months for you to get better. So I don't understand how he's out there playing. I know, I know. So, so let me ask you this. So, I mean, this is a Miami Dolphins team, Mom. That they are like they are legitimate. They are tanking. Like they are tanking to try to get a quarterback. Um, or I think it's a great idea because you guys really haven't had a great quarterback since Dan Marino. No, I think I think they should lose every game. Mama Mimi, I wanted to ask you about this because I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. It kind of hit me. The Miami Dolphins, Adam Gase was the head coach, but also he had control over the roster in his three years down there, correct? Yes. So the Dolphins this offseason decided 
that rather than try to retool around what Adam Gase left in his wake, that they'd be better off losing every single game the upcoming season so they'd be in better position to get this thing turned around. To me, that feels like it's an indictment on the guy that had been leading them the last three years. Well, a lot of a lot of uh, Miami Dolphins fans were very upset that he kept Tannehill. <laughs> they wanted to get rid of him, and Adam Gates kept him for three years. And he shouldn't have done that. He should have got rid of him a long time ago. As a matter of fact, Anita and I, we were in New England and we were talking about Greasy. Um, I think it was, what was it, about three years ago, Anita? Right. And I had said to Bob Greasy, you need to get rid of Tannehill. And, and Bob Greasy said, oh, he'll get better, he'll get better, he'll get better. But he never got better. He just never got better. He was just, he, he was a C quarterback from the beginning. So, Mama Mimi. So, I mean, so, so here's, here's Mama Mimi. Let me get this right. He decided he was going to keep Ryan Tannehill, but he jettisoned Jay Ajayi, Jarvis Landry, and Dominican Sue. Those guys. Mm-hmm. How does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I think it was money. I think it was a money issue. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, Chris. My mom loves Cam Newton. I do. He's so cute. <laughs> But, you know, I have a new one now. I have a new one now. I know. I know who you like. Oh, he's cute. What a cutie. You like Jimmy Garoppolo from the 49ers. Yes, and Rudolph. He's my new one. (laughs) Mason Rudolph, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're funny. All right, Mom, before we let you go, um, who wins today? Because you've got a Miami Dolphins team that's tanking, but also you've got a Jets team that's just horrible. You know, here's the other thing. I don't know about the coach. I have mixed feelings about the Dolphin coach. Why? Is he good? Yeah, I think I, I think I he's, don't know. Yeah, I, no, I think he's he well. All the good, he traded all the good players. Well, he didn't, Mom. They're 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 trying. They're, they push Chris, the reset. Gre- yeah, Chris Greer, the they GM. Pu- they, yeah. they push the reset button, Mom. You got you got to give. I mean, he's why did they get rid of him? He's they, he, he, listen. He's trying to make chicken salad out of chicken poop. I mean, you got to give him a minute. I don't know. Here, I don't me, know some of his plays that he calls. I don't know. I don't know if he's that good a coach. I really don't. Well, let me say it. Let me say it this way, Mama Mimi. If Bill Belichick trusts him enough to call plays for the Patriots, yeah, then the Dolphins fans gotta gotta have a little faith that maybe the guy knows what he's doing. And also, here's another thing, Mom. Um, if you did watch that uh, Pittsburgh Steeler Miami Dolphin game in your brown paper bag. Yep. Whatever. Uh, I mean, there there was some fight in that fish. Uh, you know, I, I mean, the, you know, what I mean, I mean, the the, the do, I mean, the do, I mean, they they were they were balling. I mean, they lost, but that that's an indictment in regard to that says a lot for him as a coach in in this team. Even though they're tanking, they went into Pittsburgh and, and they gave it a valiant effort. So I I, I think yeah, they were valiant. They were valiant. I think you're being too too hard on your on your head coach. Well, you know, we're all you know the Miami fans. They're all disgusted. Yeah, so are Jets. Well, so are Jets. Nobody well, goes to the games anymore. Nobody wants to buy tickets. No one if ever wanted to go to the games, games Mom. No, no one, one ever bought tickets. Mama Mimi, let me ask you this question. Because, I mean, I don't know how the Dolphins fan feels today. But would you rather have a win today over Adam Gase or would you rather lose and know that you're going to have the number one no, overall I'd pick? I'd rather lose and have the option to pick four good quarterbacks. Okay. That's the way I feel about it. All right. All right, Mom. Straight from yeah. Mama Mimi. All right, Mom. They you need to lose. 
<laughs> you enjoy you enjoy your uh, NFL Sunday Fun Day Week Nine. Um, and send me okay. some send me some pictures. Yeah, of you. Gonna, I got to go get my paper bag. Yeah, you go get that paper bag, and I I want pictures. <laughs> All right, mommy, I love okay. you. I love you too. Take care. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on ninety eight point seven ESPN. This is Can He or Can't He? Can he or can't he? I think that Le'Veon Bell does go over 100. I think he has a huge day today. Daniel Jones! Over under one and a half touchdowns. Can or can't he? Daniel Jones is going to be forced to throw the ball a whole lot to try to get his team back into the game. Jamison Crowder over 75. And same with Robbie Anderson. I think I would roll with Jamison Crowder just because he plays the slot receiver. He's going to get a lot of touches. This has been your can or can't he Jets and Giants style here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, uh, it's time for Can or Canty, New York Jets and New York Giants style this season. By the way, Texans up on the Jaguars right now, nine to nothing, about four minutes left in the second half. Um, Deshaun Watson, 102 yards and a touchdown. That touchdown went to Daniel Fells. Wow, third straight game that Fells, tied in Fells, has a touchdown. Uh, Carlos Hyde, nine carries for 38 yards. Minshew, eight of 11 for 65 yards. He needs to find the end zone here. Well, he just pushed it into the red zone with a throw to Chris Conley. So they're knocking at the door. Which, of course, his general manager, as you know, calls the green zone. Mm-hmm. Tom, Coughlin Tom Coughlin likes Coughlin, to yeah. call it the green zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, only five carries for 22 rushing yards, just FYI. All right. Uh, time- Before we get started with can or can't I want to tee something up for you. Sure. So I was just with the guys behind the glass, and uh-huh. we were going through it. How many NFL coaches do you trust to develop young talent and put together good game plans? And then how many quarterbacks do you trust around the league? Just something to tee up, just... You know, something Marina- to marinate in. Marinate yeah. in that? Yeah, just a thought. Okay. Since we're at the midway point of the season. Okay. Yeah. All right. I-, I will marinate in that. I'll have an answer for you in about 15, less than 15 minutes. All right. So can or can't he? We'll start with the Jets because uh, they play today. Again, Jets minus three um, at Miami. Uh, let's start with Sam Darnold. Over or under one and a half touchdown passes. Can or can't he? I'm going to say he can. Going down there against Miami, they are the worst scoring defense in the National Football League. There's going to be opportunities in the passing game. If the offensive line can keep him upright, and I know it's a big damn if, mm-hmm. Sam Donald can have a big game and, of course, throw for multiple touchdowns. So I'm going to say he can. I want to give Sam the benefit of the doubt. Over under Le'Veon Bell, 76 and a half rushing yards. Oh, Anita, I'm going to go under the run game. <gasps> The run game has just not been getting, been getting going for them. And I just, I don't feel like this offense is going to stay patient enough in order to get the production that they're looking for. You know, the run game, you know, you balance it out with averages and, and anything over four yards of carry is a solid average, but it doesn't work like that where you can just hand it off and know you're going to consistently get four yards. With the run game, it's about the number of attempts and that's going to be dictated by the complexion of the game and how it all unfolds. So I just think that this is going to be one of those games where the Dolphins might shock you. Ryan Fitzpatrick has the starting quarterback and jump out on the Jets early. The Jets might be playing from behind. And if they are, you're not going to get a heavy dose of Le'Veon Bell on the ground. Uh, by the way, just quick note, these are actual prop bets that you could wager on. Uh, just want to give you a heads up. Uh, and the receivers for the Jets, Jamison, 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 Jamison. Jamison. I get it mixed up. Jamison. Like the whiskey. I, uh, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I'm just trying to help you out. No, I know. I know. Give you I a point of reference. I, no, I just, I, you know where my, my mind goes quick. Um, I haven't had, so I call it a Brooklyn hooker. It's, it's a, what? Sh- <laughs> here it is. Here's the thing. Follow me here. This is where I went. It's where my mind went. Um, it's a shot of Jameson, uh, chased by pickle juice. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's called a Brooklyn hooker. I, I, I was just thinking, wow, I haven't had one of those in a while. Maybe I'll have one today. Um, Jameson Crowder over under four and a half receptions. I'm going to say he goes over that. Jamison Crowder plays the slot. We talked about how Sam needs to get the ball out of his hands quickly because he has shaky protection. So I think that Jamison becomes one of his safety valves, get the ball to him early and often. He goes over four catches. All right. Uh, Robbie Anderson, over under 45 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to go over, and he can go over on one play. Mm-hmm. We know Robbie Anderson is a big play waiting to happen, and that's just dependent on the Dolphins having a busted coverage. We know that that's possible. They've given up a lot of big plays this season, so I'm going to say over for Robbie Anderson. Okay, last but not least, uh, and this is on the, the Dolphins side of the ball, Walton, he's now the lead back in that backfield for the Miami Dolphins, over under 45 and a half rushing yards. I'm going to say over. I think that that Dolphins, that Dolphins offense finds a way to be able to run the football. They find a way to be able to have some balance. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's always going to put that team in the best play based on the looks that he's going to get from Greg Williams' defense. And, you know, with the knowledge base that he has, because he's been in the NFL as long as he has, I think he finds answers in real time going up against Gang Green's defense. And I don't think we're going to see a very inspired defense. You heard the, the issues Jamal Adams is having with the organization. They traded Leonard Williams. Those were two big parts, two big components of what Greg Williams was doing on that side of the ball. I think they take a hit because of those distractions in this game. All right, last but not least, uh, let's move on to the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys game. Uh, you've got um, Daniel Jones and Dak Prescott over under one and a half touchdown passes for uh, for both guys. I'm going over with both guys. So am I. Yep. I like it. Uh, no more to say there. Uh, Amari Cooper, great matchup for him. Over under 82 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to say over. That, that giant secondary is suspect. We'll see what happens with that, but I just don't have a lot of confidence that those guys are going to be able to hold up against the weapons from the Dallas Cowboys. Amari Cooper has a day. Ezekiel Elliott over under 89 and a half rushing over, yards. Over, over. I think Zeke goes for something like 120 on the ground against the Giants. All right, and for uh, the the cow for the Giants, uh, Sterling Shepard back in action over under 48 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to say under, Anita. I'm going to say Why? under. Why under? I'm going to say under because you have Golden Tate and the emergence of Darius Slayton. It's clear that Daniel Jones has a certain comfort level with him. He's going to get the ball. He's going to get some targets. Evan Ingram is going to get targets. Saquon Barkley has a receiver out of the backfield getting targets. I just don't think that there's any room at the end for Sterling Shepard. And last but not least, Saquon Barkley, all-purpose yards, receiving and rushing, over 114 and a half. Over. I'm going to go over. Okay. All right. So this has been your can or can't he. By the way, the Texans still up 9-3. to three. So even though the Jacksonville Jaguars got into the, and as Tom Coughlin likes to say, the green zone, they had to settle for a field goal by uh, Lambeau. So anyway, that's where it sits right now. About two minutes left in the second half. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN. Chris came up with a very interesting topic, and that is, is there a head coach quarterback duo that you feel most confident? No, not necessarily duo. Head coaches and then separate quarterbacks 
the guys that you would trust the most in a must-win situation. Okay. So why, so just so I understand, why don't you tell me who you, yours are? Okay. So as far as quarterbacks go, I've got nine on the list. Now, there are six that are no-doubt guys, and then there are three that are, depending on what happens in the second half of the season, can elevate themselves into that category with the other six. So here's my list. I've got Brady, I've got Rodgers, I've got Wilson, Breeze, Mahomes, and Watson. Now, there's a fringe group right there of Wentz, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott. Depending on how the season goes, those guys can elevate themselves into that category with the other guys. But those are the nine quarterbacks around the National Football League that I trust the most. Interesting. Okay, so I did this a little bit differently. I did this. Um, I did this. I, I I combined which head coach slash quarterback duo. Um, do you feel most confident in? And, uh, you know, obviously taking away the Brady, Brady, Bill, uh, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, taking mm-hmm. away the Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Those are your obvious. Those are your, okay. your one and two, right? All right. Here are some other ones that I, I actually, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. um, Sean McVay and, and Goff. Okay. They got to mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. McVay was outcoached by Bill Belichick, but nonetheless. Now here's something very interesting. With the addition of Lamar Jackson, and the way that Har- John Harbaugh and the Ravens have, have kind of taken over his skill set and are really building a lot around him, I'm throwing them in the mix. I'm also going to throw in Kyle Shanahan. Let me tell you something. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, nothing to write home about, but dude wins football games. Yep. And I love Kyle Shanahan. Um, and last but not least, how about uh, Matt LaFur? And, and there's so, there were so many question marks coming in this season, Chris, about Rodgers. Is he going to get along with LaFleur? Mm-hmm. You know, um, Rodgers, hands tied in regard to being able to audible at the line of scrimmage. All this, all that, the talk that was going on. But let me just, I haven't seen Aaron Rodgers smile this month, th- <laughs> this much in his entire career in the NFL. And so it is working over there. Mm-hmm. So, and LaFleur, he's, he's young. What is he, 36, 37? Yeah, he's a young guy. He's a pop. Yeah. He's a pop. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, could, could either, either of us get to 10? No, we can't. Well, with the coaches, I actually got to 11. Uh, there were six coaches that are no doubters, right? You said Belichick and Sean Payton. I thought Andy Reid is in that group. Pete Carroll's in that group. John Harbaugh's in that group. And Mike Zimmer, in terms of coaches that I trust the most. Now, here's the next fringe group. Mike Tomlin, he's on that fringe group. Based on what's happened in Pittsburgh the last three years, it's hard to completely trust him because there's been some cracks in the foundation, questions about institutional control. But because he's got the Super Bowl on his resume, he's going to be right there. Doug Peterson, the same way, won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But based on what's happening right now and all of the noise coming out of that locker room, guys not trusting Carson Wentz, wait-and-see approach in terms of what happens in the second half of 2019. You mentioned Kyle Shanahan. He's on that list. Not his quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, but Kyle Shanahan as a coach, a play caller, on the list. Mm-hmm. Sean McVay, same thing. I don't trust Jared Goff, but I trust Sean McVay. And then the last name on this list is Ron Rivera. I don't know how he's found a way for this team to get four wins in the absence of Cam Newton, but he's found a way. They're four and one with Kyle Allen as their starting quarterback. Ron Rivera's coached his team to a Super Bowl. I trust Ron Rivera will have his guys ready to play. So... Those are the 11 coaches that I trust. Those are the nine quarterbacks that I trust in a must-win situation. I like it. Uh, you know what time it is. It's time for our predictions. Let's do it. 
We're supposed to be experts, so here are our NFL predictions. And this portion of the show brought to you by Security Dodge. Go to Security Dodge in Amityville during the uh, Jeep Adventure Days and Ram Power Days and get up to 25% off selected Ram trucks like the 2019 Ram 1500 only at Security Dodge. Since uh, the Jets play in just a few hours, let's start right there, Chris. What's uh, what's your score? What's your I got a 24-20 Dolphins. I think the Dolphins start fast like they did up in Pittsburgh, and there's a little bit of Fitz magic going on down there. There's some guys in that Dolphins locker room that were around when Adam Gase was the head coach, and they probably have an axe to grind. They would love nothing more to stick it to their former head coach. The Miami Dolphins organization might be tanking, but the players ain't tanking. And I think that today, that Dolphins sideline plays with a lot of emotion. They play with a lot of passion. They go out there and they get their first win of the season. And it comes at the expense of the New York Jets. Well, I'm with you in regard to uh, the, the, being on the Dolphins side. That's why I do like the Dolphins getting the points plus three. If you can get them plus three and a half with the hook, um, I would do it. My score, though, similar to yours, but maybe a little bit more. Twenty four, twenty three. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be close. Okay. I think it's, I, right. I, I think it's it's going to be close. Um, right. And again, I, I was hoping I'd maybe I would feel a little bit more confident in the Jets if Chris Herndon was active and 100 percent healthy. Mm-hmm. I really think he's going to be a big difference maker, Chris. Okay, but apparently he is he's not, so he's doubtful for today. Okay, with the Giants taking on the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night, the Giants getting seven plus seven plus seven and a half in some places. What's your prediction there? I got a 31-21 Cowboys, a heavy dose of Ezekiel Elliott. I think you're getting something like. 150 yards from scrimmage and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, Amari Cooper is also going to have a big day in that game just because the Giants secondary is awful. And then they're going to splash another big play with Michael Gallup. So in the end, it's too much Dallas Cowboys on the offensive side of the ball. The Giants are going to be playing from behind. That means the Cowboys are going to be able to heat up that pass rush with Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, and then their new acquisition, Michael Bennett. So again, I got a 31-21 Cowboys. If you look at the over-under, it's at 48. I would take the over in this one because the Cowboys are going to score a lot of points. Interesting. Uh, twice now, uh, we both have the same score for the winners. I have the Dallas Cowboys 31, but I have the Giants 23. Okay, so we're close. Yeah, yeah. 30, 31, 31, 23. I, I think the most um, interesting thing for this Giants team is the fact that this is going to be the first game that Daniel Jones is going to have all weapons at his disposal. What do mm-hmm. I mean by that? Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram. Um, I think a lot is going to be on Pat on, on Pat Shermer. Uh, what what does he tee up? What play calling does he come with? And here's another thing. I've been meaning, it's, it's taken us now, what, two hours and 53 minutes for me to tee this question mm. up to you. But with the addition of Leo Williams, mm. um, do you think this Giants... Defense should go to a 4-3? Uh, no, I mean, they're committed to the 34 defense. They are. Okay. I mean, they drafted personnel for that. That's they, They're, they're going to be locked into this thing. I don't know how committed they are to James Betcher. And in talking to Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for ESPN, I mean, he was saying that they're going to be locked into this defense for some years to come. So Leo Williams is going to be the five technique in that defense. That's not going to change. I think that is a little bit of an upgrade in terms of what they've been doing with their front three. 
but I don't think that's going to be enough to be able to slow down the Dallas Cowboys run game, and I don't think that does anything to up the pass rush that you're going to get from that Giants defensive front. That's why I think Dak Prescott has a big day, but on the flip side of that, that's my biggest concern for Daniel Jones going into this game, because you mentioned the full complement of weapons, but for Pat Shermer, it's got to start with, how are you going to block the Dallas Cowboys defensive front? I mean, Nate Solder, I mean, you've had tougher times at a turnstile in a subway in terms of trying to get around him to get to the quarterback. So they've got to find a way to be able to protect Daniel Jones. If they don't, it's going to be a rough outing for the rookie. I mean, you saw another turnover that happened in last week's game, or a potential turnover. Trey Flowers just mauled Nate Solder and forced a sack fumble. Daniel Jones was able to get back on the ball and recover it. But that's a huge Huge issue for the Dallas Cowboys and for the New York Giants in terms of how this game is going to play out, how the Giants protect Daniel Jones. This is New York Game Day with Anita Marks and Chris Canty on 98.7 ESPN.